3: Hello and welcome to the Known and Ever podcast, I'm Jamie Smith and with me today are Kevin, Natalie and James. We'll also be speaking to Chris from Bolton fansite, Burned and Aces a bit later, to talk about Burnley's 2-1 win at the Macron Stadium that sent the Clarets top of the Championship, Andre Gray's double helping Burnley come from behind after Liam Feeney put Bolton into the lead. But Natalie, it wasn't really a classic Burnley performance, wasn't it? We weren't at our best.
1: No we weren't unfortunately Um, and you know it's it's good to report that these um, you know in recent times have been um, you know quite rare we have very much picked our game up from some disappointing performances early on in the season Um, but it has been a common theme unfortunately throughout our season that we've been under par but we've managed to, to grab results when we have played poorly and you know, one of the things that um, that Deitch commented on after the, the game was the mentality of the players and when they went behind, they didn't panic, they didn't, you know, throw the towel in, they just calmly got on with things and, and luckily managed to turn it around very quickly. So that was pleasing to see.
3: I think I read somewhere that it was the first time we've come from behind to win this season, which sounds amazing really, but it was probably an indication of how few times we've gone behind. Um, James, the difference, it's fair to say, was probably Andre Gray scored his 19th and 20th goals of the season to go even further clear at the top of the Championship top goalscorer charts. And he's not really been at his best recently, so really
4: good to see him on form. And they're both very good finishers. Yeah, no, they're excellent. I think, obviously, we touched on it last week in the podcast that I think there have been chances that you'd expect, you know, a £6 million striker, particularly the one who's the, the top scorer in the league to have finished and he hasn't been putting them away but then I think he's shown his back in form by scoring, you know, two absolute crackers, and the second one in particular obviously was fantastic. And to, to come into form at this stage of the season, you know, with 12 games left, you know, if you can go on a little run like he did before Christmas, then you, you'd fancy that to propel us to a, an automatic spot, probably.
2: Um, yeah, I think I think um, we we certainly kicked into game after they scored. Um, we've been far, far from far from our best throughout the game. We we're very lethargic on the ball. We we're very poor in possession. Um we seem to be giving them a lot of time on the ball. Um and thinking we seem to think they were giving us the same luxury. Um, we spent a lot of time on the ball when we just didn't have it. And we were being closed down and losing it almost instantly. Um but I think, you know, as much as Andre Gray scored those two fantastic goals to win it for us at the end, I think it was just as much it was uh, it was their strike as the, the one game the game for us. I think if they had anybody in front of goal who who could actually finish, they'd probably have scored two or three before their goal. We had uh, a few openings where it looked almost nailed on; we were going to score, and we and didn't. And we were able to capitalise on that.
3: Natalie, do you think the the pressure of knowing that a win would send us top of the championship with Hull having drawn on Friday? Do you think that was partly the reason behind Burnley's lacklustre display for much of the game? Um, do you
1: know, I'm not sure. I, I have thought about this. Um, I'd like to think not just because we, we're told often about the resilience of that squad and how strong mentally they are and how Deitch protects them and says, you know, it's one game at a time mentality. And we just deal with our own business and we don't, you know, we don't think about what's going to happen at the end of the season. But at the end of the day, you know, these are guys who are... You know they are professionals, but they're also humans, and they do read the press and they do look at the tables. And sometimes I do find it quite difficult to believe that there isn't something that affects them mental. You know, affects their mentality. Whether it's enough to affect the whole team on mass, I don't know. I, I, I'm a bit torn, really. Maybe it did, but I'd like to think it doesn't. But maybe it was just an off game.
3: Certainly a positive sign, though, James, for us to to play well below our best compared to certainly some of the performances recently, but still be able to scrap and come up with three points that could well be
4: crucial at the end of the season. Yeah, and you, it's, it's what they always say, isn't it? that these are the games that contenders win, you know, whether they're they not the best, but they find a way, whether it's right we you got on, on Saturday, a little bit of individual brilliance from uh, Andre, or whether, you know, it's just from grinding it out. And I think, like you've said, when you look back at the end of the season, if it was a you know a tight race for an automatic spot and we just squeaked in, I think, Bolton away will be one that you look at and say, you know, that was the the day we secured promotion. Kevin, the whole midfield
3: were below par. I think it's fair to say on Saturday, but David Jones made a poor mistake for for Bolton's goal. I don't want to be too critical of him because it's so rarely seen him make a mistake, but it'll be thanking his lucky stars that Frederick Overstad came on and really got us out of jail with a, a peach of an assist for Gray's winner. Definitely,
2: yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of David Jones, but um, yeah, he's. And I think his mistake for the goal was was very symbolic of our whole performance. Like I said a moment ago, we, we, we seemed throughout the whole match to think we had so much time on the ball when actually they were closing us down very quickly. And that was what happened with with with, with, in back, in back, uh, with that goal. Jones gets the ball and he just seems to think, he's just so casual on it, he seems to think you know they're going to give him loads of time and space, but actually he doesn't make closing down, t- nick it off him, and it's it's a goal. Um but yeah, um, I think he, he probably should. Have, he was we were very poor at keeping possession throughout the field. But I think Jones was probably one of the worst culprits along with um, along with Boyd. Um, but yeah, Boyd, um, obviously the said, "Come on!" I think he'd been on the field about 30 seconds when he put that fantastic ball over for for Gray. Um, and yeah, it was
3: an inspired substitution by Dyche, even if it was perhaps 20 minutes late dash and inspiring substitutions Um, i want to defend jones a bit actually i'm a bit of a jones fanboy. i'm sure anyone who's a regular listener will already know i'm one of jones's biggest admirers um but i I think it was partly that he, he looked like he wanted to go forward when he got the ball and a lot of people are constantly criticizing jones for going sideways or backwards but as soon as he tried to go forward i think barton wanted him to go the other way he wasn't really in the game Boyd wasn't showing for it. He didn't really have a lot of options, so he got caught in possession, Natalie. But whenever that happens, it's not just the person who's got the ball's fault. It's other people for not offering themselves to the pass as well. Do you agree with that, or was Jones just having a bit of a, a switched-off moment?
1: I completely agree with you. It's you know, it's not a you know, it's not a one-player game. You know, you have to you have to gel as a unit, and you have to have the um, positions available to you if you're going to try something like that. Um, I mean, I, another example of this. One of the things that frustrates me about this side quite a lot is we seem to be really, really, really diabolical at throw-ins. Um, you know, you, we'll get a we'll get a throw-in and, and they'll just stand there static, and nobody wants to move for it. And you know, it's it, the, the, so many times the crowd end up shouting saying like, "Somebody move for him!" And you know, that really frustrates me. And something like this is a little bit difficult. You know, if he gets the ball. And the passing game that we play, which is very one-touch football, it's very quick and it's always looking for the next man. All it takes is for one of those passes to, to break down or for somebody not to be where he thinks they're going to be. Then add into the mix a player like Jones who, going forward and that, that kind of play isn't in his natural um, rhythm of the game, then it, you know, it's, a, it's inevitable that something's going to break down.
3: I want to talk about Overstad a bit because I think most Burnley fans, I think it's fair to say, would like to see more of him. But we talked before about how difficult it is to get Overstad and Marnie into the team when you don't tend to rotate your central midfield. But James, it's a sign of the the young lad's confidence and ability to play a pass like that so soon after coming on the pitch, and I think Gray made it look even better than it, it was with the the pass, but. That sort of vision and control is something that maybe we've lacked a bit in central midfield.
4: Yeah, no, it was definitely a brave pass to to make when you, you know, you've not had a lot of opportunity in the side and you've just come on. Uh, you know, particularly in what was a tight game. Um, but you know, I think the problem we've always had is what we've seen has been good, but we've not really seen a you know an extended look at him. Um, you know, obviously he had. Season, which was one of those ones that seemed to, we were told it was going to be a couple of weeks, it seemed to go on and on and on. Um, and now we're only just really you know, getting a second look. And it, it's really difficult, like you said. Obviously, we've got um, Jones and Barton, who've been you know, fantastic uh, since Barton came into the side. And then you know, you've got Marnie uh, lining weight as well, who was obviously fantastic. last time we got promoted fantastic in the Premier League. And in fact, you could even say that d getting a be the, the turning point for our chances of survive in the Premier League so it's definitely a good problem to have but it's difficult to see how you can fit you know all four of those guys in well even to get three in
3: it would probably mean a change of formation we know how unlikely that is um we'll come on to tweet the week later but one tweet I wanted to highlight um on this subject was by Harry Unsworth who did a poll um Immediate, um, on Saturday evening actually and all he said was who should start against Blackburn Rovers he didn't say Blackburn Rovers, he said their other name um, and 49 people voted, 49% went for Overstad. 51% went for Jones, so Natalie that just shows how highly rated Overstad is among Burnley fans even though we've, we've seen very little of him um,
1: I don't know am I surprised by this poll or not I agree with you, absolutely. It does show how highly rated he is. All of the times I've seen him play this season, I've been really impressed with him. I think he's a real talent, and he could end up being an absolute steal out of nowhere, one of those gems of a player that you, you unearth out of out of nowhere. Um, I wonder whether, just playing devil's advocate here, I wonder how much of that Paul is also geared towards the... Jones haters because there are a few out there who don't like Jones in the middle who are, you know, do deem him to be too negative and, and would rather either Monica come back in or somebody else. It's quite so, a marmite, isn't
3: he? Jones people seem like to love is. him or yeah, think he shouldn't
1: play ever. I agree. And when when he conceded the uh, the goal, well, I say conceded when he contributed to to conceding the goal, you know, Twitter went into meltdown for about. Three minutes. It was just. It was quite painful to watch my timeline coming through. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with you absolutely, and I'm not taking any of the gloss away from how how good a performance and how impressed we've been about Ulverstad, But I am just throwing in the mix there that some of that may very well be the haters on Jones as well.
3: I think it's it's obviously the timings played a large part in that. Paul with Jones making a mistake that led to a goal, and Ulverstad coming on and getting an assist. It's easy to to pit them together but I thought it was fascinating it was so close over it was still fairly small sample size but big enough to be um, interesting I felt um, Kevin what's your view of Overstad Jones people want him in for. some people obviously want him in for the Blackburn game but surely that would be a massive risk to disrupt a partnership that okay didn't work particularly well at Bolton but since Barton and Jones have played together we've hardly lost a game
2: yeah he can't come against Blackman um, I think you need to see him um, play a few more extended periods I'd be, before I'd be comfortable to put him in from the start. You know, it's all well and good coming in and impressing five, ten minutes from the end, either uh, when we're struggling a little bit and like on bolting and we need something a bit different, or when we're cruising and he's come on and had a bit of a comfortable ride. We've not really seen him play under any particular pressure yet, um, which comes from those day-to-day championship games, which are, which are always very tight. Um yeah, I, I, it's very easy to get carried away from a few um, bit-part appearances at the end of matches. Um, but we all know, uh, you know, it's, 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 that's not what an entire player's contribution is. Um, so, But yeah, I, I definitely want to see more of him. I think we've seen nowhere near as much of him um, as I'd like to. And like Natalie said, he looks like he could be a real gem of a player. Particularly on that second goal, I think you were talking about how you know it was not quite a brave pass, considering the top context of the game. I think what was also impressive was just how casual it looked. It was very much like um, it was just a, just a, a casual, everyday passage. It, it was kind very just, natural,
3: wasn't it? Very natural.
2: It was. It just got it and just, just knocked it as if it was like on the training ground, which you thought was uh, particularly impressive. Well, and a sign of his confidence, you know, considering the fact that he's not played much this season. I saw an interview with him as well. Um, which I used to get through Google, from Google Translate when he mentioned his uh, former team, which has got the nickname of Mackerels, which is the best football uh, team nickname ever. But he was talking about, you know, he, he, he sounded very confident. He said, you know, he, he talked to Daesh about, Daesh essentially said, he can't change a winning team. And he seemed, uh, all the stats seemed quite happy with that and still seemed very confident that he could come in in the Premier League next season and make a big impact, which I think is, um, that's that's a real sign of his confidence.
3: It's good to have options in midfield for a change, isn't it, James? I mean, the start of the season, we basically had Jones because Ulverstad was injured, Barton hadn't signed yet, Marnie was still injured. Jones was playing with Arfield. Do you think Ulverstad would have got the nod if if he hadn't got that injury? It was the last pre season friendly, wasn't it, that he got that injury that then kept him out for two or three
4: months? You'd think so. You'd think he would have got the start. You know, obviously. I think um, you know Scotty sees himself as a centre midfielder, that's at least where he played before he came to Burnley, but Dash Curry has a, a different idea on how he fits You know, with the way that, that Burnley ought to play and I don't think you can argue with that to be honest you know, I can see how he could be effective as centre midfield in a different system, but I just don't think it really works for him and, and Jones, they don't seem to necessarily be on the same wavelength um, whereas I think mean, Overstad probably would be a, a better fit to go alongside Jones, so I think he definitely really got the nod, so it's probably very disappointing for him, obviously, to to pick up an injury so wait in pre-season.
3: We'll preview the derby um, in detail a bit later on, but James Tarkovsky started again in the absence of of Michael Keane, who continues to sit on the sidelines with his head injury. Um, if if Keane doesn't recover in time, would you have any concerns over Tarkovsky playing, James?
4: Oh, I, absolutely not. I think he's you know he's he's fitted in really well. Um, it must have been difficult, you know. He's obviously a a new lad at a new team, and um, he had to come in, in in the middle of a game, um, very early as well, which I think is you know particularly difficult. Um, obviously, Ben Me's played excellent next to him, and hopefully, you know that the two can carry on the way they have as long as Keane's out. Um, it, it, it's probably you know fair to say you, you'd expect a player like Tarkovsky to be able to come in straight away though with the off the money we paid for him. And you know his record of starting games at his previous teams—he's he's really played as a first teamer his whole career so far. So um, as long as he keeps playing the way he is, uh, there's no complaints for me. It's
2: a lovely option to have, though, isn't it? To be not too concerned to have Michael uh, to, to have uh, Michael Keane well, not in the team. Well, that's what I was going to
3: say. Is it is it a difficult is it a difficult decision for Dash if Keane makes it?
2: Um, I don't think so. I think. To be honest, I'm, I think if it'd be interesting to see what, what Dice does when Keane's back, because Ben Meese in the form of his life, Tarkovsky's playing so well. Does Keane back in, get back into the team? I'm not I'm not, I'm not. not too sure.
1: I think he does.
3: I think Keane's first choice is it's who yeah. plays with Keane, surely.
4: I think it's a really difficult one because they do say, obviously, a player should never lose his spot to, to injury, but obviously then, if we are winning, there's always the never-change-a-winning-team argument as well. It's a you know, really tricky spot to be in both at the same time it's a good spot to be in that you've got three centre back to above performing at such a or so all three performing at such a high level.
3: Well, I saw someone suggest that we could play three centre backs together, but that might be an option for next season. I can't see Dice changing the formation. Um at this stage. Natalie, if it if it ke- if it came down to it, would you expect um Keane to get the nod if he was declared fit enough to play? Obviously he had a spell on loan at, at Rovers in be determined to, to play if he's able to.
1: I think so. Um, I, I agree um, with James. I think Keane is first choice. Um, I'd be very, very surprised. And, and this is, you know, it is a harsh decision. I'd be very, very surprised to see um, Keane benched when, um, you know, when he's fit again. Um, it, it just, I really like Tarkovsky and I think he's, he's fitted in really well. But for, if you if you put the two players together, Keane is just that, he's just got that just element of class. It's just that little bit, of he's a slightly better player. Um, he's just got this finesse that we haven't yet seen in Tarkovsky, so I would put Keane first.
4: I think the the really tricky thing with it, though, is I saw people before the bottom game of the weekend saying, you know, if he's 90%, I'm sure Dash will play him, but I don't think there is such thing as... You know, ninety percent with a head injury because obviously concussions at the moment are quite a big thing in sports. Normally,
3: fortnight, isn't it? So it'd be pretty much
4: yeah. On the cuff that, that's it as would a, be two weeks ago. That's as a, a sort of a it's a safety period, isn't it? I think they've made it. But obviously, if he's still experiencing symptoms, then you know it, it could go on for a while because the symptoms are quite noticeable and I, from what I've heard, not not very pleasant to go through. So I'd expect you know, the club to hold him out as long as he's got any concussion-style uh, symptoms.
1: Does anybody, do we know just how, when I say just how bad it is, and obviously we don't know because, you know, we've just been been told what we've been told, but Deitch came out straight after the Rotherham game and said, no, he's absolutely fine, um, it's just a precaution, It's you know, there's no problem at all. And then all of it, it reminds me of some other sort of injuries we've had this season where, um, you know, They've um, been played, just they? yeah, yeah. And, and it's like oh no, it's absolutely fine, and then suddenly they're out for weeks, and this is this feels like the same thing's happened with Keane I don't know whether it's a weird p r stance that um Dyke adopts just to stop people panicking and and cut off any press before it starts to deflect away from it, or whether I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into That's, it, but sometimes it's, I
3: think it's... it's partly just because you don't want to give away your your team selection and news, but I think in the case of Keane. It seemed pretty. I know he came back on and tried to play for a couple of minutes, but watching that game, even on the, the dodgy stream I had on, it was pretty obvious that he had a concussion and wasn't going to be able to play on.
4: I mean, I think with a concussion, it's really difficult because um, the symptoms can can come and go. And I've you know I've read from other sports where people have had concussions that you know in the worst cases they can have to sit in darkened rooms because they can't cope even with light, and then other ones it's just this same. You know they feel fine until they start trying to jog, and then, you know, they've got a, a cracking headache again. So, I think it's a really difficult one to judge. And obviously, he may be fine from a you know a physical point of view, but you know when he gets his heart rate up, does it cause him to have a headache or something like that? I mean, it's there's so many possibilities, isn't there, with head injuries? Yeah, you wouldn't want Keane to start the game and then have to come off ten minutes
3: in if he felt a bit dizzy, and then Tarkovsky has to come in having not expected to play.
4: Yeah, and particularly the way he plays, obviously. He's a uh, you know yeah, right, ball so winning ball, top, he yeah. Wins a lot of headers and heading the ball. You know, there, there has been evidence that, you know, players are renowned for heading the ball in the sixties now are, you know, dying with pretty severe head injuries, so I don't think it's something you really want to rescue someone who heads the ball so much.
3: Okay, well it'll be interesting to see if Keane is fit to take his place. Um, we'll do more on the Blackman game, obviously, a bit later in the podcast, and we're also going to speak for, to Chris from Burned and Aces to get his take on the game. But now we'll go to Natalie for Tweet of the Week.
1: Indeed we will.
3: And it is Tweet of the Week, not Tweets of, tweet
1: of the Week. <laughs> I will admit there have been several again, but I did promise you that I would just go back to just the one. We've so, rendered. in. Um, we have done. Well done. <laughs> um, this week is... The tweet of the week this week is from Stan Hill Claret. And just to to put it into context, it's a tweet that he sent in response to um, some comments by Stan Collymore a couple of months ago now, which were very bizarre comments about certain championship clubs having dubious owners. And he he lumped Burnley in there with, I think, maybe Leeds and somebody else uh, basically said that, you know, that there was some quite shoddy running of football clubs, which came as a huge surprise to pretty much everybody. And I know the local press picked up on this on Twitter as well and, and, and gave him a bit of a dressing down. Um, and Stan Hill Claret tweets to, um, to the Twitter Claret's hashtag. And he just says, after saying we had dubious owners, Colin Moore now saying we have has, we have a stable board. Do your homework.
3: Or do something else I think you know, Moore's just one of these renter quotes and not he that it just says anything for attention but I think we did a bit of, on this on the podcast last week but it really brings into focus doesn't it the way that, that Burnley have, have gone for sort of steady growth and if we get promoted it'll be what three promotions in six or seven years whereas it looks like Bolton are going to be in League One next season and that's the the clearest sign of, of how well the clubs have been running the last few years, James?
4: Yeah, no, uh, I think, you know, the club's been run excellently. I think it goes, you have to go back a few years, don't you, to, to the last time I think we put ourselves in danger. Um, ultimately, obviously, that gamble paid off. But I think ever since, we've been we've been run really well, which is difficult for a team that's, um, you know, in such a small market uh, that there's not really a lot of ticket revenue compared to a lot of bigger teams and obviously while our owners are a rich by our standards um in the standards of football owners they're actually you know probably pocket change for some of them out there so i think you know it's a testament to to the way the, the the board look after the club um they're not reckless at all and they take great care of us
1: i think one thing that one of the reasons as well why why i picked this this tweet and why obviously we all did as well we all looked at it we had a lot of, of tweets thrown at us after the game on Saturday by quite a lot of disgruntled Bolton fans. And I, I understand their frustration because they, you know they did compete through the game. They did play better than we did and they yeah, deserved three it felt, points. It
3: must feel like a mugging to them. I'm Absolutely. Sure. Chris is going to come on later and probably say that we were very lucky.
1: We were very lucky. But you know, so, I saw so many tweets from Bolton fans who said that the only difference between the two clubs was Andre Gray. And... <laughs> You think, well, that might be that might have been true on the pitch in 90 minutes. But this tweet really highlighted to me that it, it's not necessarily just, um, you know, the, the management or, or press who, who maybe gloss over this a little bit, but their own fans themselves, faced with the absolute meltdown of their club, still don't seem to publicly recognise what a mess they're in and just how well some football clubs like Burnley are being run off the pitch. And that's... That's why we're successful and that's why we're getting the results we're getting. And like you say, Jamie, why we're getting the promotions like we are.
3: It's rubbish anyway. I mean, yeah, Gray scored two goals, but six million quid on him has been proving to be very well spent. He scored 20 goals, not all for us, fair enough, but 20 goals this season. And we're top of the league, so surely that's justified. And the guy who played him in for the winner cost nothing from Denmark. He's a player that any championship club could have afforded to sign, but it was us that got him in. Um, Kevin, what's what's your view on Bolton fans, understandably, a bit bitter with with the way things are going for that club. Um, do you know what?
2: I, I mean, I I've not seen Colin Moore's, uh comments uh, about us previously. It's, it's perplexing, really. I think I you know I might be a little bit biased, but I can't think of any better run clubs than Burnley at the moment. Um, we, we we seem to be very very uh, we are we're, we're very stable. I think we're we're ambitious without not without being too ambitious. We're, if that ambition doesn't pay off, then we're going to be in trouble. Um, we're not betting the ranch as people. Absolutely. Say, yeah. So. That's a, that's a throwback to, uh, <laughs> to, a, to, to bygone days. Um, but yeah, I, I've not seen too many comments from Bolton fans, to be honest. Um, and actually I think the Bolton fans I, I met after the match were very, were very gracious, um, to defeat. They were, they were talking about how, you know, Burnley is a good club and a few of them even saying, we hope we, we hope we get promoted. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've, not, I've not seen too many comments from Bolton fans, but the ones I, I, I've, I've spoken to have
3: been quite gracious, to be honest. We'll preview Blackburn in more detail right at the end of the podcast, but first, here's what Chris from Burnden In has had to say when I spoke to him about Saturday's game at the Macron. Chris, it must be very disappointing from your part of view to be leading a, a big derby game and an important game for your relegation battle and then end up with nothing from the match.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Um I know we've not got the results come out of it, but I think Saturday's performance was as good as anything we've seen this season. Um, Typical of the way the season's gone, though, we just seem to need 10 chances just to get one goal. As soon as it came, we sat off, you equalised within about five minutes, and I think everybody knew what was going to happen from there on in. And Luckily for you, you got what you needed, and for us... Again, it's just the way the season's gone. I think our fans accepted
3: that Burnley were well off their best, but Bolton's mm-hmm. tactics obviously um, had an impact on that. Like, you pressed us very well and stopped us playing through in the midfield, but Bolton fans must think that they should have had those points settled before yeah. we started playing in the last 20 minutes.
5: Yeah, I think the first half, I don't think there was too much in it. Um, Josh Feller had a volley after about half an hour that went just wide. Um, I think he's very hot and cold and the fans aren't too keen on him for it, but Liam Feeney attacking down the left seemed to have your right-back pretty much every time. Um, It's just the final ball into the box. It was either lacking on his part or when it was a good ball, there was nobody there in the middle. Better teams would have probably punished you for that. Unfortunately for us, that we're not one of those better teams. And then at the end of the day, you showed what a good striker in this league means. got two chances and he scored them both.
3: I was going to bring that up next. A lot of your fans were highlighting grey as, as the difference, but I suppose that's, that's just how it goes sometimes, isn't it? You have a player who's obviously a class of both, really, most of the yeah. league, and he made the difference in a big moment.
5: I haven't seen the stats personally, but he seemed to be offside more times than he actually touched the ball he was,
3: he was particularly he's always offside <laughs> a lot but I've, someone said it was eight times <laughs> right
5: yeah I think looking at the two strikers that neutrals would probably be looking at it. it's obviously grey for you and Clough for ourselves Um Clough was really quiet he had one chance and put it over the bar grey when he was actually on side wasn't too many times he was on the ball, but he's come out of it with two goals. And that's why you're top of the league. I wanted to ask you about
3: about Clough, actually, because a lot of Burnley fans, I think, would like to see us go for, for Clough maybe at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's been difficult with all the, the off-the-field stuff and it's been a hard season on the field as well for Bolton. But how, how's he done?
5: He's a very good player. I think this season he's struggled, but not through any fault of his own really he got injured quite early on in the season he was coming back at, towards the end of last season he dislocated a shoulder and quite early on in this season he dislocated his other shoulder and it wasn't until Christmas time that he really started to get back into the team he still doesn't seem fully fit but he is hes a good player um, we're just trying to find the right role for him as well he seems to me he seems to me to be comparable to,
3: to Danny Ings, that sort of build, slight yeah. player, confident, likes to shoot early.
5: Yeah, I mean, the Wondrous fans, he broke through just over 12 months ago, and not many people from the outside would have known anything about him, but we were calling for him to be in the team for probably a year before that. He was doing really well at the 18s and 21s, and rightfully got his chance in a cup game and took it obviously
3: a lot's gone wrong for for Bolton this season off the field has that had a really big impact on on Bolton's results do you think
5: um to, at the start of the season no but as it's gone on I think yeah it's when you're struggling especially in this league you can make use of the law markets and it was in the one. October-November time, we had a couple of players lined up. The chairman had given it the thumbs up on a Friday afternoon and on Monday morning they found out that there was no more funding going into the club. Um, because of the way the accounts have gone, led to believe they weren't handed into the Football League, which is why we're under an embargo. But because of that, no-one came in in January. We still can't get anyone in this long window now. And... When you're low on confidence, you want that little boost, maybe one or two extra players, we just can't do it. As good as these youth players are coming through, experience is needed as well, and we've just not got the ability, unfortunately.
3: What do you think the future holds, then? Is there going to be a takeover before the end of the season? Are you going to be able to stay up?
5: Well, we are being told that the takeovers should go through this week, as long as the Football League... Are- Happy to give it all the thumbs up, but I think looking at the table, I think we've gone. We're in about October time. Like going back to what I said before, at the start to our season was awful, it was about one win in the first 20 games. Things have picked up a little bit since the new year, but there's a seven point gap at the minute, and then there's another four points before the team above that. So you're probably going to need to get. to stay up, which we're only halfway there with 12 games to go. I think it is a little bit too much. Um, All we can really hope for is that a lot of these big earners are out of contract at the end of this season, which is a bit different to when we came down from the Premier League. But at the same time, you're going to replace these players with No disrespect to League One, but with the amount of time that we've spent higher than that level, we're going to be bringing in players that not too many of our fans will have heard of. But look at what Wigan have done this season, look at what Wolves did last season or the season before, what's to say we can't do that as well next year?
3: It's going to be a rebuilding process, isn't it? Um, Obviously, you didn't see us at our best on Saturday, Mm -hmm. but would you expect Burnley to get promoted?
5: Looking at the way they've been playing, I want to see why not. Um, everyone, especially at the start of the season, was looking at Middlesbrough and Derby. I think Derby have started to fall away now, same as last season. Middlesbrough's still up there, they've got a couple of games in hand on you, so as things stand, I think I'd have them down as the favourites. And then between yourselves and Hull for second place, you've got The big reason is, going back to grey, we've got the goal scorer. I think you are the top scorers in the league at the minute. You're fairly solid at the back, but as you showed the other day, even when you're not at your best, you're still capable of picking out wins.
3: Absolutely, and hopefully um, you'll be able to take a few points for our promotion rivals in the next few weeks as well. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks a lot, Chris. Thanks for joining us. So that was Chris from Burned Naces. Talking about Saturday's game at the Macron. But looking forward, there's a massive game at Turf Moor at the weekend. Not just for Burnley's promotion challenge but the chance to get a first win over Blackburn on home soil in a long, long time. Um, Natalie, you're feeling quite nervous ahead of this one, aren't you?
1: Obviously. I feel (laughs) nervous. I was like, are Burnley playing? Yes. Is Brommer nervous? Yes. Um, But I'm Oh, I hate the Lancashire Derby, East Lancashire Derby, sorry. It, it fills me with dread, and I think I'm still not over all of those thumpings that we got and the fact that we never thought we were going to beat them. Um, I, I'm not... Uh, my head's telling me that it should be an easy win, and, you know, we're a much better side than we are, and we are defensively sound. And we don't look like we're going to drop any points, at, you know, at any point. And going behind to Bolton was a bit of a shock. But this is a derby and it's this oh and they're gonna want serious retribution for, for the away leg at Deadwoods, so I'm I'm oh, I'm terrified.
3: <laughs> it's a weird one, isn't it? Because I think the last couple we've gone in as favourites will obviously be heavy favourites on Saturday, but I think with the monkey going off our backs we've beaten them a couple of times at their place. Does that make it easier for us to get this 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 win? That there'll still be a lot of people, James, that have never seen us beat Barban in the f- in the flesh.
4: Yeah, no, I'm one of them. Um, I'm absolutely confident that we are going to batter them for ninety minutes. <laughs> oh
3: Some <God>. Nice hubris <laughs> from Jetta. He's no, 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 Jesus, no doubts at all. No doubts at all.
2: No, I mean, I mean, I'm in Camp Bromley here. Um, I'm Aunt Bromley. <laughs>
1: I'm, I love it. That should be a thing. Let's make that a thing.
2: <laughs> it, it, it just feels it, it, it feels <laughs> worse than it did earlier in the season. In the fact that actually it feels to be a lot more at stake this time because if we if we if we if earlier in the season it's mostly pride at stake. I think if we if we lose earlier in the season we've still got a lot of time to make things up. At this stage in the, in the season, if we're losing, we're losing both pride and we're also losing a huge. Um, opportunity to uh, to extend or to to continue our our promotion challenge. Essentially, I think coming so close to the end of the season it, it, it increases the nerves tenfold. I think and yeah, um, it's quite terrifying.
1: That's so true. Kevin's just made such a good point. It does. This is what makes it more nerve wracking is that it it can derail our automatic uh, promotion push. And just the fact that it's them that does it is just. It grates on me to think that they might be the ones to stop our like drive for promotion.
3: What What do you think's most
4: important, James? Pride or points? Oh, points! But I think if you get the points, obviously the pride will come with it. Won't it? Uh, you know, I think the last couple of times we played them at the turf, we we've, we've been all over them. We just maybe haven't had the the look we needed to get the goals you need to to win those games. Um, and I think obviously Andre Gray is back in form, and I just can't really look past us. You know, putting in a good performance. I think, you know, Dash would have talked to the boys after after Saturday because the performance obviously wasn't at the level required. Despite getting the win, I think obviously people come out fired up wanting to prove that they're worth their place in the side.
3: I think one one interesting little minor subplot is that Blackburn have brought back David Dunn, whose name I can barely even say without wanting to spit on the ground. Um, and I, th- I think that's a real positive for them because if anyone knows the East Lancashire derby it's probably David Dunn more than anyone we haven't really got an equivalent I don't think and Dunn seem to feel it so much more than certainly any other Blackman player maybe Scott Arfield is starting to get into that category Scored scores so many important goals scored the winner at Ewood but I just wonder if David Dunn is going to be able to get across to, to the Blackman players exactly what this game means
4: yeah, no, I, I think the last player we had who really felt it was maybe Karen Trippier. He seemed like he really he, yeah, he got it. Yeah, Trippier definitely got uh, it. Yeah, he did. See, so he, he said in his exit interview, if he could, he'd, he'd love to come and watch um, the Derby this season. But no, I, I think, I've just read actually on uh, 442 uh, an article on cult cool players for, for teams what the Blackburn fan who was asked to pick David Dunn. And I think it's basically just on the back of his Derby performance He he always turned up, didn't he? And I think he always knew uh, the measure of the occasion. So... I think that is a big boost for him because I think he's going to go around everyone in the dressing room and tell them actually how big that game is to the fans and um, but obviously with us being at home hopefully our players will will feel that they'll be uh, in the dressing rooms and they'll be able to hear the fans before the game and they'll come out obviously to what will be a decent crowd at the turf
1: I've got to say that news has just made me feel really sick if I wasn't nervous (laughs) enough I hadn't hadn't heard that and now I just feel like I want to Ever since
3: I mentioned his name all I can see in my brain is the clip of him scoring the equaliser when he was about eight oh, yards no. offside. I'm just, no, just replaying that. <laughs> uh,
2: I could offer you the answer to that, Jamie, because all I've been able to see is him scoffing some chicken in that Benke's advert. <laughs>
3: <laughs> now I can remember him crying, I feel much better now.
4: Yeah, that that video was exactly what they used on the four four two article, though, unfortunately.
3: Um, <laughs> One little thing that might also have an impact is the fact that there's going to be Burnley fans in the cricket field stand, isn't there, which... I don't think we've had For the derby For a long long time
4: Oh not that myth uh,
3: Do you not think That's going to have any impact It must be different From coming out to 4,000 away fans
4: Well it's a little bit Different now Because they've moved the um, Yeah the tunnel's in the corner They've moved the tunnel That sort of brings them out In front of the livelier section Of the, <laughs> the <gym> <laughs> I think would be the, the way to put it Joey Bottom's favourite Area of the <laughs> ground Uh from before his Burnley days, days. Um, no, it could make a little difference. I, I think it is overstated how much of a difference that you know having that stand makes. Yes, it has got you know reasonable acoustics because obviously it's not a tall stand, but at the same time, I've always thought that the away fans are louder just because people who go to away games tend to want to come and you know, stand and sing.
3: I think that's accurate. And also the Birmingham fans that have been going in there seem to be the ones that want to make an atmosphere and make more of a day of it.
4: Exactly, I think that is the big advantage of it. That if you get people, if you've got people who want to go in, you know, who are maybe in the 60s and want to reminisce on when they sat in the cricket field stand previously, it's not going to you know do a lot for the atmosphere. But if you get people who want to go in and and you know make make noise like they're at a away game, then obviously that is a, a big boost. And I think in particular for the Blackburn game, obviously fans are going to be up for it. So I, I think you know there will be more noise than we've seen the rest of the season from that bit of the ground.
2: I think it also makes a difference having Burnley fans behind both uh, both ends behind both goals as well, um, rather than having a full stand purely of purely of away fans. I think it, it does it, it's going to hopefully offer even if it's only about one, about 0.5 percent, that smaller psychological difference of having Burnley fans at both ends.
3: It's a day for heroes, isn't it, Derby Day? I mean, we've seen Scott Arfield score the winner at Ewood, Jason Shackle obviously the way he left the club um, sullied the memory of his goals. Against Blackman in the past, Natalie, who do you think is going to come up with the the defining moments?
1: Um. Well, you'll have to tell me whether these come off because I'll be watching this game through my fingers, <laughs> um, hidden behind the chair. I think that Gray is going to absolutely outclass everybody. I think he's been criticized this season for disappearing in big games. I think this will be the one that he silences his critics and I think he will prove to be a real difference. I think Barton is going to absolutely boss midfield and um, just prove a little bit of, you know, sorry, provide a little bit of class. Um and I think that Keane will be back and I think our whole defensive units at the back will just block them out and i think it's going to be a massive team and you know what boyd is going to play amazing boyd is going
3: to play that's a a big big prediction you know what i'd love to see i'd love to see dave jones step up and get the winner against the club he played for for a bit any any doubters would therefore have to agree that he is pretty much the best thing since sliced bread Um, kevin what's your view time for heroes who's it going to be yeah, I think Barton,
2: like like Natalie said, Barton is is definitely going to be up for this game. He's well up for it at Ewood, um, and particularly having, having experienced the uh, the experience, the atmosphere after we won at that game. Um, I think he'll be well up for it. But actually, since you've said that Jamie, I agree. I think it'd be really nice to see um, see Jones Jones get a, a goal, particularly a winner there, um, because because like, like you said, he's he's had, he's had a bit of a rough ride with supporters at times, and I think that might be the. the if he could get a, a big goal, that might be a big catalyst to to change him out a little bit.
3: You never even know. It, it could be someone completely surprising. It could be a tight game and someone like Henning. could be Paul yeah, Robinson. Someone, it could be Paul well, Robinson. That, that, would be play Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> that would definitely be a turn-up. Um, James Andre Gray is certainly going to be the man that we look towards. and Scoring two goals at the weekend, he does seem to have little periods where a lot of goals come. In one in one little spell, you've obviously been very confident earlier on, but
4: it's got to be great, hasn't it? Yeah, all I'm gonna say is lump on, guys. He's, he's going to have a <laughs> gamble. This responsibly. is way to to you know to, to cement his position as you know the the top striker in the league. I think he's he's gonna browse the occasion. I think he's gonna he's gonna get at least a couple.
3: Round off with predictions, then let's have a score from you first, James. I'm going to go for a strong win I'm mean, going to tone it down from what I said earlier I think, um, I think <laughs> it, was it was up to about 12 like so I'm glad you sounded it. Down. Yeah,
4: I, I, I think I can see a 3-1 See something like a 3-1 The goal Just to make us feel a little bit nervous But um, you know, I think we'll put it beyond doubt later on.
3: Natalie You're nervous But you're going to predict to the only one
1: I'm going to go, I think we're going to keep a clean sheet actually, I think that they will, um, I think that they will really, really step up the defence and just get back to a clean sheet again, I think they'll be disappointed to to concede against Bolton, so I think um, the key to the game will be defensive, so I expect a tighter game, I'm going to go 2-0, one for Gray, one for Arfield.
3: They are often tight these games, aren't they, Kevin, no one tends to to want to make a mistake, what's your prediction?
2: No, and I'm going to stick with that um, sentiment and go for a super scrappy 1-0. And it's going to be another really late goal, Man, I'm thinking something around 86 minutes.
3: That would suit me. I'd take anything, take someone scoring a a Maradona handball, a nice offside like David Dunn, anything like that would go down quite nicely for me. And that's about it for this week's podcast then. Thanks to... um, Kevin, Natalie and James for joining us. Also thanks to Chris from Burn Aces. The Derby on Saturday, of course. We will be talking about that in detail next week. But in the meantime, if you want to get in touch, please do so. The email address is podcast at never.net You can also tweet us at nevernet Natalie will be keeping an eye on all the tweets as ever for the Tweet of the Week feature. But that's it for this week. Fingers crossed for the Derby. Fingers crossed that next week we'll have a Derby win to talk about.
4: Goodbye. Once I nearly lost my uh, my good looks, I thought, it's time to do something different.
0: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.